Welcome, welcome, welcome. You just listened to Bang Me by Bidadat off their self-titled. Welcome to Really Just Very. I'm glad you're here. I got a lot of good stuff prepared for you, so stick around. This right here is Wish You Love by School Baby, one of my best friends. Really, just very get into it. Cheers. Much love to all of you. sweet sweet tune i hope everyone's having a good post fourth of july i hope you're not too hungover even if you are it's okay man we are on this together uh have a beer if you need one drink a lot of water up next i have for you october by katie camacho produced by bitch nixon right here really just very Close your eyes, please. What's it like for you now? Now that summer's done. This fall you're looking to the mouth of another one. You said it's better for you now. She's gone for good. I know you miss her too. More than you thought she Son of a bitch, that's beautiful. That was October, Katie Camacho and Bitch Nixon. We're gonna we're gonna spice it up here real quick. Patty Spice to be exact. This right here is Bender, produced by a good friend of mine, Francis Hen, Bahoos. It's right here on Really Just Very. Go to Urban Garden on Instagram, buy the man's vegetables, make your life better. Cheers, y'all. It's really just very sweet.
appreciate that. Just music for everybody. Really just very banging ass tunes coming out of Bahoos. Quite, quite the life we're living. You know what I'm saying? If you're out there protesting, I got love for you. Just wear a mask. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that here. We're here. We're going to take a step back. Breathe a little bit. In through the nose, out through the mouth. This is Sunday Piano Music by Arbor. A guy I met in Bellingham. A sweet guy. Great vocals. Great beats. Big part of the lo-fi community. Man, just really just very good tunes right here. time there's the door <laughs> that's sunday piano music a sweet tune but even more beautiful i'm just gonna let this one ride this is enseñame abuelita by chewy really just very
point was cheers to Chewy for those beautiful, beautiful words. Now we're going to spice it the hell up, all right? This is Yonsei. Drop it. Right here on Really Just Very. When the pimp's in the crib, drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. When the bitch try to get it, she park it like it's hot. Goodness gracious, that's a hell of a beat. You know, I went to high school with that guy. We met in beat-making club. That motherfucker's been good for a long time. He's now in New York City killing it with a very eclectic group of artists. So I got a lot of love for Kenzo, Yonsei, for that last track. This, however, this is Flip Phone. Another couple of folks that I know, known for a while. This is good rock right here, all right? This is really just very true story by Flip Phone. Tune in.
ain't that something special. We're tuned to really just very, where things are really just very, well, really just very, I suppose. That was True Story by Flip Phone. Up next, we got Walk Around by Tiger Blonde. Stay in the mix. Keep it happy. Keep those drinks cold. Have fun. that type of music that you want to drink nice liquor out of a red cup on a rooftop somewhere on the coast that's what i like to think about when i listen to that song that was walk around by tiger blonde 
Next is more of a cheap beer. Cheap beer in a backyard music. This is Scripts by Bowski. We write the script, but we don't direct. My life is chips, uh, cause I don't got checks. Bellingham Summers, man. Nothing quite like him. I miss him. I really do. I'm glad I'm back in Seattle, where I belong, but Bellingham wouldn't show me these guys. This is House of Blue Leaves. Cursive. On really, just very.
House of Blue Leaves. Beautiful, beautiful band. This is about the end of the, this is all, this is all the time we got, man. I hope you enjoyed some of the shit that I played for you tonight. Let's bust it out with the real classic. This is gonna be Heaven Sent by Clefto of Black Noise Records on Really Just Very. Thank you so much for tuning in. I love you. Fucking dance, yo. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Really Just Very. I appreciate you. And now, I have a little sneak preview for you. This right here is a little snippet of an interview I did with my good friend, Francis Hen. Follow him, Herb, the letter N, Garden, on Instagram. Buy some vegetables. Listen to the man's music. It's Bahoose, for God's sakes. Love him to death. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed talking to this guy. I'll tell you. And stay tuned for more. You know, I love you guys. I appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in. It's really just very. And your focus was on the you you helped build gardens and farms. Yeah, and that wasn't actually supposed to be my focus. My focus was maternal health, maternal and children's health. Pretty different. But a big part of maternal health in Guatemala is nutrition because malnutrition is a huge issue there. Totally. And um, and so I had been working with the health center doing like nutrition, like education. Yeah. Turn that off. Um, (laughs) I I just had enough of you looking over there. Yeah. Um, I'm easily distracted. It's okay. Anyway. There were cool pictures on the TV. It's a, I get it. Yeah. You're going to, you're not going to not look. Um, Anyway. Uh, one portion of what I was doing was like health education talks that had to do with nutrition and, um, you know, you'd work with different, not just the health center, but other different like community actors. And that could be like the uh, ministry for agriculture was one of those. And they were involved because a lot of times when there was a family that had a child who had severe malnutrition, like not the type of malnutrition where you start, you know, getting them on a, a, a food plan that more like you take that kid to the hospital and like, you know, they need more serious help whenever it's less preventative, more like to treat a problem. Like yeah. An actual... So whenever one of those situations occurred, the government would have a bunch of different interventions. And one of the interventions was sending the, uh, ministry of agriculture a representative from there to go set up a nutritional garden with the family. Uh, because okay. in Guatemala, there's a lot, of, like especially in the rural areas, not a lot of access to a lot of different types of foods. Especially if you live 45 minutes from, or an hour, or two hours from the nearest town center, you know you don't have a market or anything for food, so you have 
basically whatever you grow. And usually what people are grow is just corn and beans because it's easy to save the seeds from the last crop, just keep doing it. But there's a lot of other nutrients you need. Um, so they would set up these gardens to get like vegetables into the picture. But um, it's like a part of the program, like they kind of, like almost almost secondary if you think like because you were again like maternal health and this and that. But yeah. a, a big part of it was nutrition and therefore and setting up these things. So yeah, and then what happened? I got involved with that because um, due to just bad politics, um, the pe- the people in my the Ministry of Agriculture representatives all lost their contracts one year, and they still needed to make these food gardens. And so someone at like a town meeting just kind of like volunteered me. They're like, well, if no one else is doing the food gardens, why doesn't the Peace Corps kid? That guy seems all right. Yeah, and I was like, well, here we go. And like, hope I, I kind of learned from them being around them. I'm sure you learned a lot on the job. Yeah, yeah but I also realized, I was like, well, I guess I got to just start figuring it out. And so <laughs> Sink I, or swim. Sink or swim, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to swim. This sounds fun anyway. It sounds cool. You know, be outside making gardens. Why not? Working your hands. Meeting and... different people and, you know, whatnot. Getting out in these like really far out mountainside little dwellings and shit. Because, you know, usually the people who have these serious cases aren't the people living in the town center. It's people living on the side of a mountain somewhere. So it was an interesting part of the job. So I took it, I took it on. And to learn about growing stuff, I, um, I would just go. I would, so I'd go to their, their yard, see what the soil was like, see what the situation was like. Yeah. Um, come home and just get on YouTube and start learning like how to grow beets, how to grow whatever, what grows in the sun, all that kind of stuff. So I would be, you know, I'd be, go home, research, come back, tell them, and, you know, I would try to act as professional as I could, you know, based on my experience. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But working with what you had. Working with what what I had. And eventually, it was not so much talking out of my ass, because I learned, you know, how, as I went. Totally. You you, you learned. And then it got to be, like, 30% of my job was making these gardens and, like, finding seeds, finding organizations that would be willing to donate seeds and all sorts of things like that. Sometimes just buying seeds with my own money and you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, just figure it out yeah. later. Yeah, and figure it out later. Getting, and I would I'm get, sure you didn't mind a couple of bucks out of your own pocket. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't people. the worst thing. Like, when you I was there... You with these people, you know, they're, they're like, I wasn't maybe they're like family, but they're your, they're your people. I mean, People you know. You know they're yeah. people you know, the people you work with, you see them every day. So I can imagine that a couple of bucks, seeds, money out of your pocket, you're like, I don't give a shit. And it was actually, it became easy to start, I would start honestly doing like, fundraisers and things in the town to raise money for things like seeds other garden stuff or other like rice and you know other food was that was that something that was already happening or was that something that you like your fundraisers and stuff? yeah like the like the idea of you make like you know raising money for seeds and whatnot is that something um, that was actively already going on there i or? think they were they had been doing a once a year I guess in terms of the community itself, like the, were they already doing shit like that, or well, is it the, the community had you... been doing like a once a year race where it's like a you know how we do race for the cure and stuff? They had like a race against malnutrition. Or like we would do laps around our school when we were kids for I don't know cancer or yeah, something yeah. like that. Jogathon, yeah, Did it's you like have a jogathon, kind of. <laughs> yeah. So they had already been doing a I jogathon, and they would get all the kids from school. Everyone each participate. You have to bring like. Yeah like a bag of rice or something, whatever. For sure. And it gets donated to different families. But then we just, 
you know, we did we did that, and then we're like, well, we need more. So then we started doing other things, and I started a basketball tournament. And <laughs> How cool. Had like three hundred people doing this basketball <laughs> tournament. It was <laughs> sick. I mean, that's super cool. Um, yeah. We had announcers and the DJ and everything. <laughs> I bet you, like, if you're like, maybe I'm sure that it happened where you kind of zoomed out. You're like, this is kind of fucking crazy. It was, like, yeah. You're like, this is like Loki an episode of something. <laughs> it was an ep- every day in that every day in that job was an episode of something, but. I guess from doing the gardens, I became interested in gardening and I'd be having things growing in my own house and like pots and stuff, just figuring, I didn't have like a yard, but I had like a terrace patio. So I'd just be growing stuff in bags. And, um, so I got pretty into gardening and I realized quickly, like my favorite part of the job was just being out in nature and growing shit and all that. And just like to see things grow. And then, yeah. And then what I'll say is, um, yeah, just like to see things grow. And I guess where I say that YouTube really influenced me is because i would be learning you know i'd be googling like how to grow carrots on youtube and from doing that i started discovering there's this whole world of um little independent organic farmers all over usually the u.s and canada but everywhere really um i just watch the videos in english so that's why it was u.s and canada like you open up like pandora's box though right pandora's box there are so many of these guys all over and i started realizing they're not only i've never looked at youtube for that yeah, there's a whole section like just like there's a section for like people those girls who eat mukbangs like tons of uh, noodles or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like type beats. Everything. There's so many sections of YouTube, <laughs> and this was just one of those. It was like a scene basically, and um, I started realizing these guys. Like just, subculture. Yeah, subculture. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. But they're not just like I realized they weren't just like doing it for fun. Like they were like making a living off it. What? Oh, thanks. Yeah. Can I? <laughs> um, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, they were, like, making a living off it, and so I was like, dang, maybe I could try to make a living off that, so I, so I just started doing, I got obsessed with, on my spare time, just researching and, like, learning about what it would take to make a living off of, like, farming, how many, how much, ter- like, how many square feet you would need to, like, make $100,000 in a year, just, like, stuff like that. Mm, so you started geeking out about the math. You're like, you're like, let's out. see, I could actually, do, like, once you find the logistics that they exist, you're like, I can kind of entertain that. I can, yeah. I can go down that, this rabbit hole. For the, um, not just because, I'm mean, sure it was, like, fun and exciting, mm-hmm. um, but you're like, this is real, and this is doable. It, it became, Yeah, I realized it was doable also because I started hearing about people who were, like, did not have a background in agriculture, and they just got interested in growing things, just like me, and then started doing it, like, on a semi-commercial scale. Like, usually it would be, like, they would have, like, a CSA, which is, like, a community-supported agriculture program where... It's like a subscription community yeah. support agriculture. Right, yeah, cool. it's like a subscription service. A new term. So a lot of these guys would and and girls and whoever would be, um, you know, they'd grow stuff, have people put up money in the beginning of the season for their share, and then they get like weekly deliveries, something like that. Um, so I was like, well, that seems like a good route. Or the farmers market, you know, there's different sales routes. And so I just got pretty set on doing that when I came home. Um, and so here I am. Oh yeah. You uh, mentioned that, well, like, I mean, start it's, that started out as something that you weren't even, you didn't even go there for that, you know, no. farming. Th- it wasn't something that you even planned on. And I, and uh, you mentioned that you didn't really, have, you don't have a background in farming, really. No. Uh, you didn't grow up doing it, really, nope. right? You nope. didn't. I mean, do, I, do you ever go to your I don't know, grandparents have a farm? Because my my uh, I I was around I've been around farms for I mean my my whole life a little bit because my grandparents you know, from Eastern Washington, my dad grew up on that farm, my grandpa grew up on that farm. And so I, I knew cows and shit. Like, I think changing sprinkler pipes and stuff like that. But I didn't know any of that. I just, the only, the closest so you didn't have thing, that, like... the closest thing would have been my parents are gardeners. My grandma is like, 
My gra- my one oh. of my grandmas grew up on a farm and was a farmer, but you know that was before me. Yeah. And then my other grandma's always been like a like an avid grow your own food type person. Totally. Every everywhere she's lived, every house she's ever been at, there's always food growing. So like I was. When I was little, I was like picking tomatoes and stuff, but it's not oh, like yeah. I was like focused on like learning about that. Oh so. yeah, like I grew up, I grew up like picking the raspberries and, and the shit out of it, but I never thought like, oh, we could do this. I was no, thinking, yeah. oh, these raspberries are delicious. But exactly, um, it's it's funny that because you're like a your family like you cook a lot, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of you cook that's like and you like, you grew up with like home cooked meals and stuff like that. So it was around the idea of like like nutrition was was had been there for a minute. I guess so, and. Um, you know, I guess it's interesting how much sinks in for little kids because as I started learning and researching and doing more gardening and stuff, I started realizing, like, oh, I actually know where it, what this does and, like, I know how this works uh, because it's just already in my brain You a don't little. know that you knew that. Yeah, kinda. some stuff. It's, um, yeah, it's interesting how you can find yourself in, in something that you're, you're unfamiliar with it, but, like, you know, you're, like, sink or swim, right? You're like, I got to figure it out. Um, yeah. And then you can kind of do. You figure yeah. it out. Um, but... You think that maybe it was because it was like new and exciting and like unexpected that could that have been like a driver that it kind of plopped into your lap as opposed to like let's say you had you know were dead set on a specific program and going there and you only did that kind of yeah. would things would have turned out a lot differently right because yeah I mean maybe it helped too because when I applied for Peace Corps I wasn't sure I'd get in so I applied really? yeah I mean it's pretty it seems it sounds like pretty it's like I think it's like pretty competitive and I was like well I'm definitely gonna be an underdog in this situation because like the kids that I knew from Peace were like pretty well um you know like good kids doing good things and well educated all that they'd been in that game for a minute mm-hmm. and so I volunteer stuff all that like that yeah um went to good schools and all so Not like our friends yeah exactly <laughs> so I already felt like I was I was scared I wasn't going to get in, so what I did was I said I would be, I applied, and I said I'd be willing to go to any country and do any job that was That's available. What did it for sure. And so then they're like, Guatemala, maternal health. I was like, cool, whatever. Um, Fine. Sign Got me it. up. Yeah. I'm good with that. But so maybe, I don't know, I guess I wasn't, since I wasn't dead set on one thing, I allowed myself to be open to kind of other things I think maybe it kind of allowed for like a little bit more uh made you a little bit more malleable in regards to like what you're down to do you're like fuck it i'm up for anything i mean yeah. you're you want more of this sure. a little splash of that yeah i mean there's a lot of people in that program who are just dead set like women's health and that's great but i guess it's not like women's health was my passion it was more like i just wanted to go be involved in a community that's different from my own totally and women's health was cool and really interesting and i learned a lot and like you know like i said it was like thir- that was 30 percent of my job was the far- gardening farming so like the other 60 was like you know um a lot of education about like family planning and birth control um the you know what you should be doing during a pregnancy danger signs in a pregnancy um making emergency plans mm-hmm. for if a if you go when you go into labor or something goes wrong so like that was the other part of my job and that was all really interesting but i guess what i took home was like the gardener was that kind of was that maybe weird a little bit the idea of um, um, like because whole you you go in there and you kind of you're like teaching a community things, but you're like you rely on them to like kind of teach you how to teach them. That's um, the whole point. Because with mater- I mean, like that's just I, I don't know anything about like I don't even know anything about women at all, um, <laughs> let alone uh, maternity or anything like that. So yeah. I could imagine me being a little, there's some trepidation involved in. Uh, you know, going full in like that. Well, honestly, um, or did you not feel like that was a? <laughs> well, you said what did you say? Like, um, they teach me how to teach them. Yeah, it's kind of the reverse because what? So you know, you get paired up with a, 
with a health center, right? Mm -hmm. They have the information that they want to teach to the public, right? Like they have um, metrics and stuff. They need. They're like, we need to teach these methods of birth control. It is old. Like this is not new stuff. Like they've been doing this. They've been doing it. But I guess what they request peace, like that health center requested a Peace Corps volunteer because they just wanted most more than anything they wanted new creative like techniques of how to reach people and how to oh, teach okay. that information they they weren't like we we need a pro we need someone who just knows birth control really well cuz they already got that they have professional nurses but their problem was r- community outreach they did it they would because in Guatemala like the nuts and bolts like the act like the work can involve yeah like and the like, walking around and talking to people and some of the i don't know i guess they, where they fall short where their health system falls short maybe is that at least in that region of Guatemala, the the recipients to healthcare, especially the the at risk population, is the marginalized like indigenous population. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the um, the nurses and professionals are the Latino Guatemalan population, and they often speak a different language, have just completely different techniques at like communicating mm. and stuff. And so they were hoping to have like maybe a third party person to kind of kind of be like, hey, have you ever thought about presenting it? in this way um the presenting the information in this way and stuff um because i mean i didn't I, it's it's interesting because it's like do you really how do you rely on a foreigner and then they weren't relying <laughs> yeah, no yeah it's like they're like we don't need you exactly but they, yeah it's not like they need but you're to... but you're a body and a voice and a set of hands and those things and maybe important. a set of ideas because wherever you come from you're going to have a different way of thinking yeah and so some you know i probably had just different ways of thinking than them for example you know they would get a bunch of people in a room and just lecture and just sit there and be like, okay, you by May 8th, you need to be taking this pill or whatever. <laughs> and then I'd be like, you know, then my job, part of it might be like, how, how about for the next training we do, we'll prepare ahead of time and we will get um, use pictures and props and maybe make a game or something Open it up. so that people um, pay attention and grasp you know, grasp the context. Oh, of, or I feel grasp. like learning isn't that like linear where you can just present something to someone and they will digest it and then receive the knowledge and then they'll just have it. I feel like when you do something, when you interact with people, I think it opens up. It just kind of opens your brain up a little bit. I think that in weird, subtle ways. Yeah. yeah. We're pretty lucky in this country where we like know that there's lots of ways, types of learning. And like, even if our school system isn't that great, it's far from it. But like, we grew up looking at pictures in the classroom or like even, you know, when a teacher teaches us something, they'll like quiz us on it or ask us if we learned it or stuff like that. Whereas, in that country and probably a lot of other countries they will present information they'll just say this is what i want to teach you a b c and d all right see you later and it's <laughs> yeah. like well you don't really know if they learned like, it. we did it we did our job we we, yeah. we presented the material yeah yeah exactly Man, um, seems kind of backwards so that's part of the reason why they like want peace corps volunteers um wanted peace corps volunteers they like the creativity that shit's awesome man um yeah. What um uh so you feel like you got a lot you got a lot out of that experience right yeah yeah probably you're never yeah. you're never gonna forget that shit right no <laughs> no cool um well maybe we're gonna we're gonna transition maybe this is not the not the smoothest but um thank you for sharing all that stuff who uh who are some of your heroes who who inspires you hmm. this could be this could be anything it could be people in your life it could be I mean, you you mentioned that you did some research, like you know, you found YouTube and people for the farming stuff for sure. But this could also go into music, you know, because I know you have you've been making music for a long time. Um, I'm not a he- too much of a heroes guy, but I okay. can think that okay. at the top of my head, some people that have inspired me in different areas of life. 
Um, one of the first farmers that I read about, he's probably the most famous of that genre of people, is a dude named Curtis Stone from Curtis Stone from C- Kelowna, British Columbia. Who he like he wrote a book on basically kind of what I'm trying to do, and I got that book early, and then I realized he's a YouTube dude too. After I got the book, oh, and I was like, sick. oh, that's cool. So I've been following him, and then through him, I've ended up finding a whole lot of other people, and actually, I found people that I think I may be more in line with their methodology and ideas of farming, but he was the first one, so shout out to him. Shout out to Curtis. Um, I think there is, there is a woman that I worked with in Guatemala who was like a kind of like a social worker named Janet. Um, she was oh, also yeah. an in-law to someone in my host family, but <laughs> she was just a you know good worker, creative person. Uh, but I would say she is a hero. Um, you know, and then, I don't know, other than that, Music-wise, uh, I'd say Mac Miller's kind of a hero. Oh, um, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have started anything if it wasn't. It was Mac Miller and MF Doom when I was like fourteen, or found those dudes, and I was like, "Yeah, I, I want to do this." Yeah, um, and that is, I'm glad that yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned Mac Miller because uh, yeah, um, why why'd you start making music, and who were f- those first few bands or artists that made you say like how i like i i want this like it depends on the genre because like i think that green day is my first love and my last love and um they're my heroes and everything like she takes good care of me dude, just they just are hard my love is true <laughs> yeah, yeah okay it's, it's it's timeless um like the whole bob dylan and pete seeger type musicians also like they just say good things yeah. but wait, I mean, what, was, you, what you, was the question oh just like why'd you start making music oh, why did i start and, making music? And who are those like because you know you you're um i would say historically a producer i think a lot of your a lot most your biggest body of work has come from the the beats that you've made and, and yeah i know i know you've made a lot of what rap, got rap me and, and what like got that. me into that yeah why'd you do that shit you know uh, <laughs> dude it all started <laughs> with 50 cent honestly i forgot to mention him in the heroes category when i was That's in like awesome. fourth grade i was super obsessed with 50 cent and obviously fourth grade yeah and when you're like that age you just listen to rappers and you just like should be like shit i want to be a rapper and if not a rapper i want to be a gangster <laughs> and um something i want something and you know that. 350 cent i got into like g unit and just like i just found hella rappers just got really into rap and um, yeah, a lot of your beats are you know they're reminiscent of some old three six shit you know them too actually at that time i like i started like it started it just started with 50 cent i'll tell you that but then you know every i just you learn about other things and um, yeah, Richard died trying. And I remember Bone Thugs and Harmony was one of those. And I think, I know this, I bet like a, like a real hip hop head would be like annoyed by me saying this because yeah. they're like, maybe like 3 6 like came first. But like, I think I discovered 3 6 Mafia because I listened to Bone Thugs and Harmony. And they, I like, definitely, they yeah. had beef at some point. They were like, oh, they, really? they just were kind of like, it's the thuggish way. Because they did similar stuff, they had similar flows and shit. Sometimes use similar beats. And I think that's probably how I discovered the other ones. And, um, yeah, and then I think late, later on though I became more into the Memphis type of rap music like in like college, um, but when I was little like Bone Thugs and Fifty Cent and stuff and that made me like want to make, uh, that made me want to make hip hop and I remember just like thinking like, man I don't think I could be a rapper because like white people don't rap you know that's weird <laughs> yeah no we don't do that and then I saw lane right but I saw that 
50 Cent had a DJ or did some mixtapes with a DJ named DJ Green Lantern. And DJ Green Lantern was white. And I was like, <laughs> oh shit, so that's what I got to do. And so and I didn't really even know what being a DJ was. But I was I bought a record player. <laughs> bought a $40 <laughs> record player. And I was like, well shit, I guess I'm a DJ now. And I started like <laughs> scratching on it and without a mixer or anything. Like, oh yeah, Just dude. thinking I was making beats. I didn't know what I was doing. That's awesome. But then me and my, later on, me and my cousin started like making beats together because hey. i got him into it and like we would like just like you got on. him into it yeah and we kind of got into it equally like together well, I you guess. planted that seed for a few people and didn't didn't you teach nick how to make beats yeah um so then me and connor were just, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah me and connor started making beats when we were little on the computer and stuff and then just it just became a how, thing. how old were you that when you was made your fir- when you made your first track like like Sixth grade or something or seventh grade. What program are you using? Garage uh, band. Garage band. Yeah. Hell yeah, buddy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was probably that that you know that early middle school, and then kind of did it throughout yeah, you middle beat school. Me by a few years. My the first thing I ever like recorded, I don't even I think I don't know where the fuck up this beat found up. It was called Cruising I Five. I, <laughs> I recorded this I think on, uh, I think that what I was doing was I was recording on a rock band mic, and I was playing the song out of my iPhone. Tight. You know what I'm saying? I was like. Cruising I five on the passenger side, can't slide over, but I'm over driver's ed. Hey, that's teach, tight. Teach said I'm out of line. I'm behind till I fucked away behind. Now she says she'll pay for my time. <laughs> Fourteen years old, and you think you're hard as fuck. Hard as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you know what I remembered? Actually, that was a big pivotal music scene, probably from like you know like the way I thought about making music because you know like if you let's say you only listen to like bone thugs and harmony and 50 cent and like obi trice and people like that you think that rap has to be about like gangster shit yeah but then i re i was started cu- being curious about like what's the type of music going on in seattle like spoken word rap type shit well no i just started listening to like you know like the blue scholars and all that that whole scene hometown heroes. i was like oh dude you don't have to be a criminal like this is cool <laughs> well that, that um you know when they're that that what's that i don't i'm i, I feel like i'm ashamed shame i'm not knowing it but you know when they're talking about the um protesting at the oh world the trade um, center you know they're like yeah the world trade what did he say um they called it a riot but this is an uprising <laughs> dude beautiful yeah exactly yeah. i'm so glad you remember mm-hmm. that even just a little blurb because that whole song is that's works. fifty thousand deep. That's the name of that Thank song. Thank you. Yes, that fifty thousand deep, yeah. dude. Yeah, it is. fifty thousand deep when yeah. we hit the streets. It's, it's, it's classic. <laughs> it's a classic. That's that thing that it'll bring you together. But you're right. Like it kind of changes your idea of what what that could be. Because um, yeah, it's not all about being hard. Yeah. Well, there's all cool. sorts of lanes. There's all sorts of lanes. And and anyway, that brought in the horizon. I started trying to make those types of beats too. And I feel like that also like so, like the beats that I've. I've been making beats very much lately, but like the beats I make are not just the Southern Three Six Mafia beats. I feel like I make a lot of those like art, like um, boom bap beats or whatever. Totally. Still, and that's probably started with people from Seattle. Hell yeah! Like Common Market was like a they made had sick beats. Sobsy makes good beats for sure. What do you What do you do when you create? Do you put on like movies? For example, like I like you. My weekends like I like I write like all weekend, and I put I'll put on movies and shit and like write because the, the, since it's so different. From what I'm doing, I, I don't have a problem like focusing or whatever. You put on movies like that you've already seen before. I put on like like not last weekend, but the weekend before. I started Stranger Things from the beginning. Like, I've, I've seen Stranger Things probably like four times front to back. Mm-hmm. I put it on and I was able to like I was able to get like a lot of the writing done. So I'm wondering when you are sitting down in front of a pen and paper or your laptop or whatever, are you listening to something? Are you you work in the quiet? Like what's your creative space like sound like? 
I wish I could give you like a current answer, but unfortunately, I've been kind of on that beat hiatus because I've been so busy lately. But 